Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Welcome everybody. Welcome to Generations. Welcome to the 12 days of fall, as we call it here in Texas. Isn't it amazing? This is it. This is it. Snatch it now. Enjoy it. Get your little pumpkin spice lattes and your sweaters. It's going to be up in the 80s again later in the week, so this is it. Just enjoy it now. Um, But I am so grateful that you are here with us today because we are kicking off a brand new series today uh, called Co-Mission, the walk that we walk together, the road that we walk together. We are mapping out for us uh, this journey that we're all on called discipleship. And uh, what does it mean to be a disciple and to make disciples. And I'll tell you, this is not just another sermon. This is, uh, this is the series of teachings over the next four weeks that we're going to be talking about uh, is really foundational to who we are as a church. Uh, we're talking about the, it's kind of the DNA of who we are and how we roll as Christians on the planet today. Uh, this is fundamental core stuff to our identity as individuals and as a church and as Christians. So it's very important. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're here right here on, on day one of this. This series began uh, with a prayer. It began with a prayer to ask the Lord to just help us, to clarify, to make things more simple. Give us a a clear understanding, like a clear rubric for us to follow of what it means to be disciples in the world today. And and so whether you're a brand new Christian today or you're just seeking seeking Christ, what, what it means to even be a Christian, maybe you're a longtime saint, whether you're young or old, uh, this, we, we pray that God would use this to help give all of us a roadmap of what he desires us to be up to. And I really, I really believe that this is a, a timely word. It's a word for today, but it's also a timeless word. This is a, this is a picture of what authentic kingdom living looks like uh, when we're doing it right without all of the sideways distractions of culture and religion and all that stuff that can complicate things so easily. For me, this is, as I'm just preparing for this, it has become just a very simple blueprint for making my life about something that's bigger than me. Don't we all want to live for something that's greater than ourselves? Something that's bigger than just what's going on in the day-to-day grind and the week-to-week grind and what is happening around us. We want it to be something bigger about something, and it is something bigger. It's the kingdom of God. It's a picture of what it's like to live in the kingdom. And so what we're going to study over the next four weeks it's, it's really a simple way to map out this journey that every disciple is walking. I think this will also be a very helpful way for us to, to know how well we're doing at being disciples. It's kind of a, a nice reflection for us uh, to nudge us back on track if there's an area that we're, we're stuck at or maybe that we're drifting away from, kind of neglecting. And it's four different stepping stones that look like this. We call it the path of discipleship. The path of discipleship, and really it's a discipleship cycle, because once you get back to square one, you just keep going. And uh, we've, <clears throat> we've discussed this uh, over the last several years in one form or another. This isn't, the concepts here are not new, but we believe that uh, God's really helped to uh, give us uh, something that is going to help, help us sink our teeth into what we're up to. So first we gather and then we grow, and then we give, and then we go. And that's, that's the discipleship life. And we do it all together because our vow here at Generations Church is that no one walks alone. That's our vow. And so we live life in authentic, intimate, uh, accountable relationships because that's what family does. And we're a family. 
We're not an organization or a corporation. We are a family, and family lives its life together. We have each other's back. So we kind of think of this as the four G's of generation, right? It kind of works out really cool that way. Uh, that's what this series is about. And, and so when you say, yeah, Scott, I'm all in. I'm all in here at Generations of what you guys are doing. Uh, uh, you know, this, is, this path of discipleship is, is you're saying that this is what we want to partner with. And, and uh, so let me talk about this. For, we mention this all the time. That the, the reason we gather together, if, this is, if these are our, our methods, our, our motive, the reason we come to church is to help each other become more like Jesus. That's why we come to church, to help each other become more like Jesus. It's why he calls us into this, this togetherness. It's one of the main goals of discipleship. So we don't come to church, we've talked about this, that, uh, you know, just to learn stuff just to accumulate more knowledge or information. Because, you know, you can do that on a, on a podcast. Uh, you know, you probably, like me, you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to like at least a dozen a week or so, and it's good information. It's very interesting, and it, you know, feeds me. But, and we don't come to church just to pray, because you could do that on your back porch, right, or in your prayer closet or wherever that is. We don't come to church just to give an offering, because you can do that on your phone now, <laughs> Right? We don't even come to church just to worship and sing, because you can do that in your car. You probably do. You know, radio cranked up all the way. You can worship. You can worship at home. The reason it is so crucial, I really get this, the reason why it is so crucial that you actually show up together and unite with your brothers and your sisters is because we need you. We need you, and we need the Jesus in you to help us be more like Jesus. Amen? We need you. Your brothers and sisters here need you to help us become more like Jesus. And you need us to do the same for the same reason. Amen. You need us. And sometimes it's, it's even being around a group of people and uniting with a group of people that you normally maybe wouldn't even hang out with that much because you don't have so much in common with other than church. Sometimes that's the very thing that helps you be more like Jesus, right? Jesus says this over in Matthew 28. It's known as the Great Commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey. So We've talked about this before. Remember that this is decidedly different, Jesus saying this, than if he had just said, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. This is different. That would be content driven, right? That you can get from a podcast teaching them everything I've, I've taught you. We could get that. That could be accomplished reading a book, taking a class, having a discipleship course. It's content-driven, right? But teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, that's actually training in a lifestyle of application. You see the difference? You need the content. The content's the first step. That's important. You need the content. You're teaching them, though, to obey so our process of discipleship is not just about trying to have 
you know, decent sermons or good Bible study even, but saying, how can we train one another in making that a lifestyle for us, becoming more like Jesus? It's not about just learning content. It's about learning a lifestyle. That's the discipleship life. We're learning a lifestyle. We find this uh, all through Scripture, this idea of how we disciple one another. The Apostle Paul uh, one place we see evidence for it in, in the New Testament church, he's writing a letter to the Corinthians and uh, Paul's been talking to that church about some of their divisiveness, some of the, the ways that they were abusing grace and he challenges them directly on this. He says in verse 14, he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. So shaming is not the way of the New Testament, right? Amen. Caring enough to confront is, wanting to warn is. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. This parental imagery here is just so interesting to me. It's beautiful. He's not saying, I want to have control over you. I want to make all your decisions for you. But he's saying, I have a sense of responsibility for your life. For I have the sense of, of care and I, I kind of want to own your issues. Your issues are my issues. I want to be involved in your life, right? So I'm a father through the gospel. He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Imitate. The word imitate there is that Greek word mimites. Mimites. Now, what English word do you think we probably get from that? Mimic, exactly. Mimites. I urge you to mimic me, copy me. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me, mimic me, which is interesting because, you know, you read this and you would think he would say, well, I urge you to imitate Christ. That'd be a, you know, a good holy thing to say. That's what we would tend to say we'd be more comfortable with. And, you know, don't follow me. Don't pay attention to me. No, 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 no. You know, I'm, I want to be humble. Just look at Christ. Just imitate Christ. But the Apostle Paul knows that people actually are made to learn through modeling. We're made to learn through modeling. That's actually how we learn. It's best for something, especially that's lifestyle-oriented. We learn through modeling. We can't just learn it from a book, from the content. The book, has, the book is important. It's at the center of community, but, but it's living that out. And then we learn by doing together, by observing, by modeling. And uh, this is how God has just wired us, right, as relational beings that we are. We learn through modeling. And so to, to reduce this whole thing to... to Learning from a book is really to insult the image of God that is within us. It's to completely miss the mark on what discipleship is supposed to be. It needs to be worked out in relationship. In relationship. That's why we say a generation, you know, it's all about relationship. It really is. So Paul's not being arrogant here when he says, imitate me. We would like to say, no, 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 don't look at me. Don't look at me. Just follow Christ. But that is actually to opt out of our role in helping each other grow. And you might say, you know, well, yeah, but I'm imperfect. I'm imperfect and Christ is perfect. Well, that's true. You are imperfect. I am imperfect. But how do we get a view to the perfect Christ? If you opt out, what are you saying? You're saying, uh, just, you know, go listen to Scott and Mel's sermons and whatever you can find online and read the Bible for yourself, but I don't want to be involved in all, at all because I'm not perfect. That's a cop-out, actually. You might say, well, because of my imperfection, I don't want to teach someone the wrong thing. Well, then we learn it in reverse fashion, right? We learn from you what not to do, okay? 
I do a lot of that. I do a lot of teaching what not to do, right? The bottom line, here's the scoop, is we learn from each other. We're following one another. We're helping. What's really dangerous is when you get a whole community of people together who, who say, don't pay any attention to me. That's dangerous. They're not taking ownership for it. That's how God has made us to learn we're supposed to take ownership. It's a, it's a 24-7 calling, being a model. We're all mo- Did you know you're a professional model? There you go. You didn't even know that, did you? Right? From the moment your, your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're walking on that catwalk, baby. Right? You are a professional model. People are watching you. You are sporting Christ. Right? Amen. And so to do that, we have to be involved in intimate enough relationships in our life that people can learn from you and that you can learn from them, including learning from each other's mistakes, learning from each other's failures. That's all part of the process. That's okay. And, and learning, because then you know what you learn how? You learn how to repent. You learn how to have grace and mercy, which is all part of it. And we make, we make good and we reconcile. That's all part of making disciples. All of that becomes part of the discipleship process. Otherwise, guess what we're doing? We just joined a religion. We just joined a religion. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Verse 17, he goes on to say, for this reason I've sent you Timothy. Ah, okay, so Paul's not there. He was with them in person earlier. He says, remember how I lived, but he's not there now. So he writes them a letter. But even here, the letter's not enough. It's not enough just to write a letter. It's never, hey, we never go to somebody and just, hey, let me get you a Bible. You, sh- you should just read that. That's not good enough. It's not good enough to one of the writers of the Bible, so it shouldn't be good enough for us. Hey, you know, I got you this great book on discipleship. You should just read that. That's not discipleship. That might, be, that might be a step. That might be part of it. It's always good to like, you know, have a book. Here, read this. I'll read this. We'll get together. We'll talk about it. But it's not discipleship until it's lived out in, in, in example through relationships. So Paul says, I can't be there in person. So I'm writing to let you know that I'm sending Timothy, my son whom I love. There's that fatherly aspect of him again. Who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. What God wants for every single one of us, you, me, the person beside you, is for us to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow in our faith. We're going to talk about that next week. That's the second step, the path of discipleship. But God has wired within us a method. And that method is through accountable relationships. Accountable relationships. Getting close enough with each other to live life together, to learn how to live life the right way. And so you start to learn by each other's example. And so God puts the message inside us by putting people beside us. That is how we learn. That's how he gets his message inside us, by putting people beside us. And this is what makes the Bible so useful. I love reading the Bible. It's it's not just a collection of great teachings. We don't just have a bunch of nice sayings. It it doesn't just tell us what the gospel is. It also gives us methods for how the gospel is to be lived out, how it's to be passed on from generation to generation. We get that. So this one from from Paul, that's not just an isolated passage. He also says this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, join together in following my example. There's that word mimetes. But notice he says join together. Let's do it together. 
We're going to mimic, but we're going to do it together. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Keep looking at others. Over in 1 Corinthians, he says this, follow my example, mimetes, as I follow the example of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6, he says, you become imitators, that's mimetes, you mimicked us, in other words, imitators of us and of the Lord. So you're seeing how Jesus shapes our lives. We see this. This is the New Testament pattern. God didn't just write a book. He didn't just write a book. The Word became flesh. It dwelt among us. And do you know what? He still wants the Word to be enfleshed. He still wants the Word to have skin and bones on it, right? This is just in good incarnational theology here. The Word in flesh. The church is the what? Body of Christ. These are the words that he used in the Bible. We're the body of Christ. That's how we learn. That's how we're designed to learn. So don't opt out. Don't opt out. He says, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers. Now you get to become the model. You're, you're watching somebody else. Someone is discipling you, mentoring you in your life. Hopefully every single one of you have people you're mentoring and discipling and people who are mentoring and discipling you. But, and, and, and you become a model. You mimicked us so that others get to mimic you. Second Corinthians chapter 3, he says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. There's that same Greek verb, mimites. You mimicked us. We were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we didn't have a right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves up as a model for you to imitate. Now, this is all in line with uh, the discipleship method of Jesus Christ himself. When he was here on the earth, he could attract crowds of thousands all kinds of people were coming. And then he had hundreds who actually, they bought in and they were following him regularly. And then we learned by the end of his life uh, that there were over 100 people, about 120 people in that upper room, men and women, all together, followers, disciples, students of his. But within that, we also know that he had 12 that he called specifically. They became the apostles. And these 12, we think about this as the disciples, but there were more than 12. And there were more than that. But these were the 12 that he spent extra time with. He gave extra teaching to. But it was never noticed with Jesus, with the 12. It was never just uh, come show up, my, show up at my class and take my course. Right? He didn't give them a syllabus. He lived life with them. And so he was always teaching them. But the, his style of teaching was always, we see in Scripture, along the way. Along the way. And along the way, he shared the secrets of the kingdom and he displayed those things, right? So he lived life with these disciples so that they were able to say, hey, Jesus, why did you do that? We just saw you do that. You know, Jesus, why did we overhear that conversation you just had with the Pharisees? Jesus, that thing, that, the way you talked to that sinful person over here, now, you know, why, why did, why did, and so, and then he would teach them as they went so they were able to model what he did. And this is how we are designed to learn. Jesus built an intimate relationship with the 12. Then he's got a hundred or more uh, that are tracking with him, following his vision. And, and then he's got thousands of people coming to check out what all the commotion is about. But you see these sort of concentric circles of Jesus. And that is how the master himself taught 
and modeled the gospel through shared life together. And this is what the Apostle Paul understood too. It, it's why it, it's, we could say discipleship happens through accountable relationships. Very simple. Discipleship happens through accountable relationships. Discipleship is through relationship. You have to get close to each other, though, to have a view into each other's lives and learn from one another. And, and finally, notice what the writer of Hebrews here says. This, this is our core scripture for this, this gathering step, this gathering. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds love and good deeds. We're spurring one another on toward love and good deeds, not just accumulated knowledge, not just knowing more stuff. Love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So notice what the writer assumes is happening when we meet together. He says that we are spurring one another on toward love and good deeds or good works. And what? Encouraging encouraging one another. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot less like a classroom and more like a dinner table. Encouraging one another, spurring one another on. That's why even coming here this morning, coming to Sunday morning, it's really not enough. It's why this isn't enough to turn you into a powerful, effective, fulfilled disciple. You actually need personal relationship with other disciples during the week. We got to have it as well. So we can speak into each other's lives and, and hold one another accountable, encourage one another. So gather, grow, give, go. And in gathering, we can grow in our faith as we'll talk about next week. And then as we grow, then we're able to, to give back of ourselves in serving others in ministry, using our gifts and talents that the Lord has given us to serve others around us. And that really is a place where Sunday morning is perfect for. That's, that's, that's where we, we give, we serve, of our, we give of ourselves. And then we go by taking this message outside these walls. Because our, our, you know, our job's not done yet just by coming here or even by coming to home life or something like that. We go, we take the message out, we fully obey Christ by making disciples. Making disciples. Disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. And in doing that, what are we doing? We're inviting other people to come into community and gather with us. And it starts all over again. They come to, we, we want more people to gather with us. It's a beautiful cycle. And it starts right there at the top in real accountable fellowship. This is the healthy way to become more like Jesus. This is the way we see patterned in the New Testament church and over the last 2,000 years. And here at Generations, the primary way that we gather to help each other grow is through home life. This is our home group ministry. Now, why would we invite you to join a home life group and, and not just to show up at church on a Sunday morning? I'm so glad you guys are here uh, on a Sunday morning, but showing up on a Sunday morning is a great first step. It's a great first step, but a generation's home life is our prim primary discipleship community where we're involved in accountable relationships, right? So if you're only showing up here at Sunday, on Sundays, for instance, a few times a month, you know, you're hearing, what, 40, 45 minutes of preaching two or three times, four times a month. And this isn't a condemnation, of course, but, but I am challenging you 
to perhaps open your life up to a deeper level of discipleship. Don't just be a member of a religion. Don't just be a member of an organization, right? Experience the life of discipleship that Christ invites us to live, the life he actually instructs us to live. Here's a few things that home life does. Home life connects us in community. It connects us. Sunday morning doesn't really fully connect us, does it? I mean, it's nice to all we're all in the same room, but you can be in a crowd and be lonely, can't you? A lot of people know what that feels like, right? We're, we're all just sitting here facing the same direct, well, facing the same direction. There we go. Yeah. Not a whole lot of relationship happening right now, is there? Right? We can't take eight hours to hear the testimonies of what great happened to you this week or hear the challenges you're going through that we can encourage you in. It's, it's not a lot of connecting in community. The face-to-faceness of the church, that's what the New Testament talks about. Sunday's important. Sunday's important. It's, it's where we learn, but it has to be part of our full, of a full expression of church, a full expression of church. The New Testament church is, is when we turn, the, we turn the chairs into a circle, right? We get out of the rows and we go into circles. And, and how do you live as a Jesus follower? The answer is that you do that well in community with others. We follow Jesus by walking with Jesus followers. We follow Jesus by walking alongside other Jesus followers. It's, it's never meant to be a solitary endeavor, right? And the answer to growing in wisdom isn't, well, you know what, I'm just going to pray more and ask God to reveal it to me. God says, I will reveal it to you through your brothers and sisters. That's how it works. I'm going to reveal it to you through the people around you. Even the annoying people around you, right? Those sandpaper people we talked about a few weeks ago. Oh, you're going to learn so much about Jesus there, right? If God always revealed, think about it. If he always revealed everything we needed to know whenever we get alone and in private prayer, that would actually encourage us to separate from each other, wouldn't it? That would be a whole different picture of the early church. It'd be a whole lot of hermit, hermitages, right, going on, right? You know, here I am, guys. I'm hanging out with you guys, but, you know, you're pretty good. But I really need to get to know God, so excuse me. And what would happen, what we would see is God would always be reinforcing separateness instead of togetherness. Now, yes, he can encourage us in our prayer life. We should have a prayer life. He hears us in our prayer. We should have those times. But then I should always go into community. I have to go into community to really fully flesh out what God wants to say to me. And that is so essential. And in our home life groups, we have this opportunity. In home life groups, we give each other permission to really speak into each other's lives where we're going to be honest and open with each other about what's going on. This past week was such a beautiful experience in our home life group. And I already heard from a couple of the other groups uh, just had a similar time. You know, we were talking this past week about the message from last Sunday, which dealt with a lot of really raw, sensitive, uh, personal issues, hard marriage and tough marriage and divorce and remarriage and things like that. And I'm telling you what, the, just the, the time we got to come together and talk in the living room on, on, at our group was so priceless for us. People were able to express, the, the Holy Spirit was just flowing like, like you would never happen in the world, right? In the world, like everybody would get like hard feelings and just tell what they think and then we'd leave. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was flowing. People expressed themselves, expressed their hearts. And we, we learned, we learned more 
about what it's like to be them and to, and to learn from each other. And it was like zero defensiveness or anything like that. It, was, it brought us closer. When we challenged each other, it just brought us closer into love. It didn't divide us. It was the most beautiful thing. And, you know, even some of us who thought we, we had it all figured out, you know, we went to church last Sunday, so we knew all the knowledge. We learned more. We learned more just from really getting in and hearing each other. It was, the, it was just such a Holy Ghost, uh, Holy Ghost moment. Um, you know, you're in the South when you say Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit. Okay. It was a Holy Ghost moment. Uh, but home life, I'll tell you, just speaking for me, more than any other environment for me is the season. At this season of my life, it is where I am most challenged and encouraged by other people. That's where I'm challenged and encouraged. I love my home life group. I'm not saying we're the best group. We're, we're up there. We got a pretty great group. But, and you know what's great is my group, I, nobody's intimidated or acts like, uh, you know, they're weirded out by me being the pastor. I'm just Scott, right? I'm just Scott. And nobody, you know, they, they say, they come up to me and they say, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, what's going on? How are you doing with that challenge going on with you? You know, or, hey, I was really, have, I have a little bit of a problem with that thing you said on Sunday. You know, it's like, oh, bring it on. That's great, right? Because we're in relationship. We trust each other, right? So we can do that. We can talk to each other. And uh, it's just so beautiful. It's the most authentic space I know of today for living in real accountable fellowship. And we're, that's what we're talking about, accountable fellowship. And I love those people. And we don't gather because we're of similar age or stage. I mean, we're, we're, we've got college kids and grandparents all in the same room. Everybody, it's just uh, different stages, different hobbies, whatever it is. But we, we're really diverse, and it's the most beautiful evening of the week for me. Okay, there's, there's my plug for our group. Um, number two, it reinforces during the week what we're learning on Sunday. This is another beautiful thing. In our home life model, we talk about, uh, primarily our launching point is the topic from Sunday, and then it kind of grows from there. But so you learn stuff on Sunday, you're learning things right now, but what a great opportunity to have that reinforced later in the week, that you don't just leave here, and if you're like me, it just kind of flies out, right? Like, was that a great message Sunday? I don't know, maybe. I didn't walk out and leave. I guess it was all right. I don't remember what he said, right? I, I know you, I know. Um, but that reinforcement, halfway down through the week, it does something. It actually helps to reinforce and help us experience Sunday differently, which brings us to number three. Number three, it changes how we listen and learn on Sunday. Because now you become, I don't know if you notice this, you become a more active listener. Uh, it makes more of the Sunday, the experience, the fact that we're, we're going to have home life and because of that, this Sunday, I'm listening differently. And, and now I know that I'm, what I'm learning on Sunday, I'm going to be turning into a conversation with people who are becoming my friends during the week. And so I, I take notes differently. You know, everything, I can write down my questions. I can think of things that are really impacting me because I know we're gonna, they're going to ask, you know, what impacted you on Sunday? And I can think of things that I want to process with my brothers and sisters in the area of application. So it makes the whole Sunday morning learning experience a whole different. It makes it more active. Amen. Number four. It creates a safe space to practice obeying what Jesus actually teaches us to do. We actually want to put it into practice. We want to be doers of the word. We create a safe space to exercise those gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you, right? And it's, let's, let's admit it, it is hard out there. It's hard out in the world. We know that. Some of us get along fine with our, you know, non-Christian friends. Others of us get mocked and teased and ridiculed and and yet we want to obey the teachings of Christ no matter where we are. And so home life gives us this opportunity in our relationships with each other, our relationships with other like-minded followers of Jesus to practice these things out together. And I'll give you one more. This is kind of a bonus. One more really good reason to show up at home life groups 
because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. He tells us over in Matthew 18, where two or more, two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. There I am with them. Now, here's what we know. He's not saying, when you're all by yourself and alone, I'm not showing up. I'm not coming. He's not saying that. What is he saying? We know that he's with us when we're alone. He's definitely, and we need him. But Jesus says, when, when two or three are gathered, when they get together in my name, when you make me the center, you will experience me in a way that you just can't when you're by yourself. There's something different. Because when I'm by myself, I can say, God, help me. I need, I need help. Speak to me. And he's there. His Holy Spirit speaks to me. But see, when I get together with you, and we're sitting there, and we're gathered in Jesus' name, he's the center of what we're about, that multiplies, it amplifies the experience of the voice of the Holy Spirit. It, it amplifies it. And I experience more of the presence of Jesus when two or three are gathered. There is a way that you reveal Christ that is totally unique to you. And we, that's why we need you. We need you here on Sunday, but we need you in our groups because you reveal Christ in a very unique way. So, as the, the worship team can start to come back up here, let me ask this. What could be a next step for you? A next step to becoming a, a fully functional, authentic, flourishing disciple. By the way, let me say this. At Generations, we don't have a backup plan. All right? We don't have, a back, we don't have any other programs or courses uh, for people to register for. People are new here and they're like, what's your discipleship program? You have a discipleship course. We say, yeah, it's home life. Come to home life. This is, and that's the place you want to plant yourself. You want to grow. If you want to grow, then you need to hook up with home life. When you start connecting in a home life group, all the teaching on Sunday morning, it takes on a new dimension, a new shape. It actually becomes connected to your lives. And that's how discipleship happens. It's not just a separate course. And other churches may have some beautiful, wonderful uh, discipleship programs. Those are great. But we're intentionally, just so you know, if you're kind of newer to generations, uh, if you've been here for a while, you recognize this. But we are a, a low programming church. I would call it that. A low programming church. We don't have a lot of programming so that we can free up our time to make this a priority. Now, what's beautiful is a lot of folks here at Generations uh, are, are taking this accountable relationship model very seriously. And they're running with it on their own, right? We've got folks who get together uh, and they, in groups of four and six and 12 or whatever it is, and they do study the Bible, which is a beautiful thing. We should all be studying the Bible together. And we even have a midweek Bible study here on Wednesday nights here at the church that meets on campus. And we have our student ministries that, that meet the bridge and regenerate. But there's not a whole lot else to compete with the accountable relational discipleship that we invite you to experience through home life. And I'll just say this, even if you do, if you do attend one of our other uh, Bible studies or our student ministries, I would encourage you still to connect with the home life tribe because it's different. Those accountable relationships that happen there, it, it's, a different, it's a different thing. And as we dive deeper into the messages from Sunday mornings, we're also uniting together along a singular vision that the God has given us season to season. 
We're taking seriously how we actually change the way we live. That's the goal. We want to change the way we live in light of what God is telling our whole church community. And so I would say too, if, if you've ever had a home life experience, maybe you went to one and it didn't really feel like a great fit. That's fine. Here's what you do. You try a different home life group. Try a different group. They're all different. They have different personalities, different styles. They're on different nights. Try a different home life group. No harm, no foul. There's no judgment if it doesn't fit. You know, when a shoe doesn't fit the, uh, the foot, we don't say, you naughty foot. What's wrong with you? No, we just get a new shoe, right? But you don't go barefoot the rest of your life, do you? No, you find something that fits. Try a different home life and try a few on if you need. It's worth it until you find a fit that can make that entire experience of church all that it was meant to be. This is what we would love to see people catch a vision for in this cycle of discipleship. I hope, and I, and I want you to feel, just make it a natural part of what it means to be here at Generations Church, to belong. We're committed to walking in the way of Jesus discipling the way he discipled and we would love you to come and join us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Abba Father, thank you for making us your children. Thank you for Jesus showing us the way as well as teaching us the way. We thank you for the incredible honor and the privilege getting to represent you to the world, that you would embody your message, this gospel, through Christ and through the church. Lord, I pray this would be a community right here, that through the joy of the Holy Spirit, that we would feel the great privilege of living in the vision of togetherness, that we would sincerely desire in, in a fresh way to help each other become more like Jesus Christ. And I ask all of us, Lord, I ask for us for, for clarity and for courage for those wanting to take that next step to gather together. And that it wouldn't feel like an added burden to their week, but just a delicious blessing that they can't wait for. Knowing that we're going to experience more of your presence in the faces of others. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's kids said... Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.